You are Locked On Pelicans, your daily podcast on the New Orleans Pelicans, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Welcome to another edition of Locked On Pelicans, the daily podcast covering your favorite team, the New Orleans Pelicans and NBA as a whole, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day, available on iTunes, Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Stitcher, Spotify, literally wherever you get your podcasts from. I'm your host, Pelicans Insider, credential member of the media and editor over at LockedOnPelicans.com, Jake Madison, at NOLA Jake on Twitter. Here with you all on this Monday, a game day for your New Orleans Pelicans as they take on the Memphis Grizzlies in one of the MLK Day games. This one's going to be a lot of fun, and we'll preview that coming up in the third segment. Before we do that, though, we will recap the game over the weekend, the loss, but tough-fought loss to the Los Angeles Clippers. And then also in the middle segment, Trade season is upon us. We'll take a look at what's going on around the NBA with that. So let's dive into it all in today's edition of Locked On Pelicans. So on Saturday, the surging Pelicans welcome to the the Los Angeles Clippers to town. The Clippers, who, by the way, pretty good this season with Paul George and Kawhi Leonard. But there was no Paul George in this one. However, there was no Drew Holiday or Zion Williamson for the Pelicans in this one. Uh, so maybe that evens things out a little bit, though the Pels did welcome back J.J. Redick. He went into the starting lineup. But unfortunately, despite a tough-fought game, the Pelicans kind of blew at the end, which is either a good or bad thing, depending on how you want to think and look about it, which we will. They end up falling 133-130 to the Clippers. The Clippers who are 30 and 13. Pelicans fall after this one now to 16 and 27. But New Orleans played well. The Pelicans just played well. They had a 14-point lead at one point going into the fourth quarter, and that's when things started to unravel. But by the numbers in this one, you had Lonzo Ball starting in the backcourt, 18 points on the night, 11 assists, 10 rebounds, 6 turnovers, including some key ones in the fourth quarter that really, really hurt, but everyone kind of turned the ball over a little bit today. He was 4 of 9 from deep, 7 of 16 from the field on the night. J.J. Redick took a little while to get going, but finished with 19 points on 3 of 6 shooting from deep, 5 of 12 from the field overall. Josh Hart still in the starting lineup, 9 points, 10 rebounds, 1 assist, 3 turnovers, 3 steals, however. Not the best shooting night for him from deep, going 1 of 6. But again, just goes out and makes some of those hustle plays and when you're going up against a team that has Patrick Beverly on it and my god is that dude annoying you need a guy like Josh Hart and he was kind of big in this one for New Orleans Brandon Ingram the stud here 21 points on the night six assists seven rebounds two of eight from the three-point line seven of 18 from the field overall also in the starting lineup, a guy who has been very, very impressive recently, Derek Favors, 22 points on the night, three assists, 11 rebounds. He was a perfect 10 of 10 from the field. I've been talking about how he makes an impact on the defensive side of the ball um, a lot recently. He's doing it on the offensive side, particularly in that last game against the Jazz. And this game, he's made something like, I think it's 18 straight field goals now. So he has been very, very good for New Orleans. Off the bench, Jackson Hayes, 14 points, 4 assists, 5 rebounds. Each one more, 9 points, though shooting 1 of 5 from deep. Nikhil Alexander-Walker, 10 points, going 2 of 5 from deep, 3 of 6 from the field. And then Frank Jackson, perfect on the night, 8 points, 3 of 3 from the field, 2 of 2 from deep. Nikhil O'Malley got some spot minutes in this one. So, 
you reading off those numbers, this team played well. You put up 130, you're going to have a chance to win the game. But ultimately, it's those turnover numbers that really doomed New Orleans in the fourth quarter. On the night, New Orleans had uh, 21 turnovers, 24 points for the Clippers off of those turnovers. By comparison, the Clippers had just 12. This was also a weirdly officiated game. Not a great officiated game. A lot of fouls called. Clippers shot 39 free throws, hit 31 of them. Pelicans shot 36, but only made 23 of them. So they missed 13 free throws alongside 21 turnovers. Yeah, that's going to do you in in this game. It doesn't matter that you had a guy like Kawhi Leonard go for 39 or Lou Williams off the bench going for 32. Same for Montrez Harrell off the bench, 24. If you just take care of what you need to take care of, make your free throws, don't have as many turnovers as that, including some that led to easy points for the Clippers in transition um, and in the fast break, then you're going to win this game. So while you can be disappointed that they didn't close this one out, and you should be to an extent, look at where this team was at one point, and now they're playing the Clippers tough. They've already beaten the Clippers once this year, and they look like just a dramatically different team. There's still no Drew Holiday in there. There's still no Zion Williamson in there, and you're still in contention for a playoff spot. When you judge it from where the expectations were like three weeks ago, I don't know. I feel good. I'm not happy they lost the game. I'm disappointed and there's things they need to work on. And certainly you'd have liked to have won this one. But, you know, when you when you judge it on what we've seen at times this year, they didn't get run out of the building and they stood strong against a very, very good Clippers team while they were injured and banged up. The Pelicans were. That's good. I don't know. That's kind of the way I look at it. You can see it's still taking some time with this team, but they are starting to come together and they are going to, and they have been winning, winning, winning and winning more games. So I think that's a big thing to kind of look at and kind of keep in with the context of everything here. Again, you'd like to get this. This isn't a fireable game. The refs were weird. The refs have been weird for a couple of straight games now, but overall this team played well and that's what you want to see. In a month, when the schedule eases up, if you play this style of ball, this level of ball, you'll beat 90% of the teams you play. Against the Clippers, who are an NBA Finals contender, yeah, you need to play a little bit better, but this will get you wins. And when you're trying to make the playoffs, who cares who it's against? Just get the victories, and they're going to be able to do that. You really start to feel it. This team is confident. They're playing well. And despite shooting themselves in the foot in two different ways, the free throws, the turnovers, they were right in this game until the final minute, until there was a dagger, and then they went down six before keeping it close and keeping it at three. But they were in it. They were beating this team. All really good signs moving forward. So disappointing, yes. In the moment, disappointing. But long term, still encouraging for how they've played. So we'll get to trade season in the NBA here in just a second. But before we do that, today's show brought to you by Indeed. When you start your hiring process, you may have questions. Will you find a good applicant to choose from? What about education and experience? And how will you know you've made the right hire? Well, Indeed is here to help. Millions of great candidates candidates use Indeed every day to find their next opportunity. You can post a job in minutes and use screener questions to help create your shortlist of applicants really quickly. Also, you can add a skills test to your job post so you can test 
ranges for uh, industry specific skills like accounting to general aptitude tests and critical thinking. They've got a library of more than 50. Indeed gives you the smart tools to make hiring decisions quickly and to be confident that you're making the right hire for your team. Post your job today at indeed.com slash locked on and get a free sponsored job upgrade on your first posting. That's indeed.com slash locked on terms and conditions and exclusions apply offer valid through March 31st, 2020. So trade season is upon us here in the NBA. Something like 94% of all players can be traded in the league. So it could be active. It may not be active, but there's potential there. But we already have had two trades leading up to the NBA trade deadline, which is February 6th. So not very far from today. The first one was the Minnesota Timberwolves sending Jeff Teague to Atlanta in a move that seems a little bit questionable, though it looks like Teague and Carl Anthony Towns did not get along whatsoever. Atlanta gets their back backup point guard for Trey Young. Kind of innocuous move. It looks like Minnesota's going to try and repackage some of the assets they maybe got to clear some salary cap space or to make different types of trades. We'll see where it goes, but maybe it was just generated because they needed to get him and Towns away from each other, particularly with that big man starting to hit Anthony Davis levels of unhappiness and rumors around him. But another trade went down just the other day between the Trailblazers and the Kings. This one's a little bit more intriguing. You saw Portland send Send out uh, Kent Bazemore and Anthony Tolliver in exchange for former New Orleans player Trevor Ariza, uh, Wayne Gabriel, and Caleb Swanigan. This was primarily a financial move for the Trailblazers. They end up saving $12.3 million when you factor in luxury tax and all of that because Kent Bazemore and um, Anthony Tolliver made about $6 million or so more than what they received in the trade with the Kings. But in doing this, the Kings get the best player in the deal in Kent Bazemore. That's an interesting way to kind of look about this. So, okay, we'll help a team save money in terms of getting a better player and upgrading our roster. These are the type of moves you might see around the trade deadline. There's so many things in flux. Teams we thought might be sellers look like they might be buyers. The Pelicans seem like they likely might be buyers, though I've cautioned that I think they just kind of end up standing pat for the most part or not making a huge move or anything like that. But you've got the uh, Spurs and Memphis who seem like they should be buyers. Memphis was thought to maybe trade away Andre Iguodala, who they've kind of sent home. But you know what? They're now in the eighth spot, sitting at 20 and 22, and we'll talk about them more in a minute. You have Phoenix that maybe needs to shake up their roster a little bit. Certainly Portland's trying to get into the playoffs. The Kings think they can get in the playoffs too. Same for Minnesota. Basically every team in the Western Conference thinks they could be in the playoffs other than the Golden State Warriors. Because of that, you might not have some of these bad teams selling off assets like we've seen in the past. So it may create a quieter trade deadline for it. But that's where you've got to look at moves like this Kings and Portland move. Okay, no one's swinging for the fences with a big superstar, but where can you tinker around the margins and find and add some value because a team needs to kind of shut off some money or they're looking to do something else? And that's maybe where the Pelicans want to look. Do you want to add a little bit more front court depth or wing depth than what we've had here so far this season? Do you think there's a glut at one position and maybe want to offload that for a future pick or some other value? And speaking of future picks, there's a lot of second round picks in play for New Orleans. You're not going to use those on players and keep everybody. So maybe you need to move some of those, whether that's repackaging them for other picks, which you could do at the draft or bringing in a guy or using them to sweeten the deal for another player um, to bring back in. So that's where we kind of stand 
But we're starting to see the activity kind of build up. Rumors are kind of building up around a number of things. Andre Drummond being the biggest name maybe on the block so far. Bradley Beal, who can't get traded, seemed unhappy. All of these things are kind of in play, and it looks kind of interesting that, you know, we'll see how this goes. So keep an eye on your Twitter alerts for certain people. But two trades already so far in the NBA, none concerning the Pelicans. And again, I don't think they'll be super active at the trade deadline. But if you were to put them in a category, they are definitely buyers versus sellers, though I don't think they're really in that either. But certainly they're going to try and upgrade this roster if they get the right opportunity. But I do think they feel pretty good with what they have and what we've seen from this team over the past couple of weeks. So we'll look at the game coming up this afternoon in just a moment. But before I do that, don't forget, subscribe to Locked on Pelicans wherever you get your podcast from. Zion is basically back. He is here on Wednesday. We will see him in the Smoothie King Center. We're going to do a whole bunch of podcasts on that the next two days. You can be sure of that. And you don't want to miss them. You're excited. I'm excited. Your friends are excited too. So tell them about the Locked On Pelicans podcast. Make sure they're listening to it because frankly, there's nothing worse than a friend who doesn't know what they're talking about trying to have a discussion with you about basketball. I think I'm a bit of a basketball expert. You guys tend to tune in. I have friends who try and do this to me. It's really annoying to be honest. I don't like it. Let's try and avoid all of that. So get your friends clued in to Locked On Pelicans wherever you get your podcast from. The game day here for New Orleans as they travel up to Memphis to take on the Grizzlies in an MLK Day game. This used to be an annual home game for New Orleans, often around like noon, and I really enjoyed that because you have so many kids out of school and it gives them just an opportunity to go to a game that they might not be able to otherwise, and it's just a great day to kind of almost give back to the community. Memphis getting a game too makes a lot of sense. Dr. King was assassinated there at the motel, which is now turned into the Civil Rights Museum, so it's very cool that they do get a game too and this one had it's still going to be a lot of fun but it had some potential to be something special if zion williamson was playing against john morant john morant who by the way probably has rookie of the year locked up no matter how zion plays when he comes back jaw has straight up been good he's averaging 18 points per game seven assists uh, alongside four rebounds he's doing it while shooting 40 percent from deep though not on huge volume and almost 50 percent from the floor overall he's been electrifying he had a great duel with James Harden the other night where he did Harden step back jumper three-pointer off uh, right over James Harden in a win for them, and he's got this team in playoff contention. The John Morant show is fun. He is high-flying, and this is definitely a guy who is worth watching because he has been excellent all season long. The Memphis Grizzlies, after a down year and kind of bust uh, busting out on a number of drafts the past couple of years, have really hit it on the past two with Jaron Jackson Jr., and um, John Morant in this one. So they've been playing incredibly, incredibly well. Uh, and I'm excited to see this game. Though this looks like it'll be a good test for New Orleans. And we should see them um, try and win this game. This kind of gives you an idea of where they match up against the middle of the competition in that Western Conference. Because this is a team they need to beat if they want to try and get back into playoff contention and into the eighth spot. It's interesting that New Orleans is where they are about four games back. To, it's going to change a little bit today because so many teams are playing um, from the eighth spot with a bunch of teams to jump but the interesting thing is this is their first game against the Grizzlies they will play four times they have not played the Spurs yet they will on Wednesday 
those two teams will play four times as well. So each of those games almost feels like it counts double in the standings and they have a chance to really come back and make up ground quickly because you're playing the direct competition that you need to try and uh, beat out for that playoff spot. So this game actually has a lot of importance to it. Memphis, again, pretty good, led by John ja Morant. They also have, you know, Jaron Jackson Jr., also averaging 18 points per game, five rebounds. Dylan Brooks has been good, 15 points per game for them. And then you've got uh, Jonas Valanciunas, who's averaging 15 and 10. Basically, everyone playing pretty, pretty well, uh, and no real big injuries. Brandon Clark, who I was high on going into the draft out of Gonzaga, also, for them, 12 points per game, 6 rebounds. Jay Crowder off the bench has had a couple of big games, too, including a 30-pointer. Um, so they're, overall, a pretty decent team. They're kind of middle of the road, though. They play quickly and can turn the ball over a lot, which both hurts their offense and hurts their defense, while not really putting a ton of pressure on ball and defense. So New Orleans should be able to score in transition and in the half court in this one. Um, rebounding could be a bit of a problem, but I don't think it's going to be a huge deal. This Memphis team, though, can shoot pretty well, and that's kind of what you need to keep an eye on. They're middle of the road from three, but they take a lot of shots, and they try and manufacture a lot of shots at the rim playing with that fast pace and pushing it in transition with John Morant. So I think that could be a bit of a concern but with Derek Favors playing how he is and providing that rim protection I think you can get this win so we will see later this afternoon hopefully we don't get a Solomon Hill revenge game where he goes off for like 40 he's on the team now and has had a couple of decent scoring games for him which is a little bit surprising that's the last thing any of us want to see probably ever so we'll see if New Orleans gets the win I can't wait this is going to be a lot of fun just watch John Morant enjoy it. Sometimes it's just fun to watch really good basketball players. He is one of them, along with the rest of the Pelicans. Ingram should have a big game in this one. So I cannot wait if New Orleans can get this. It builds some momentum going into Wednesday's game where Zion's going to be back. Should probably have Drew Holiday back in that one, but we'll probably get an update on that tomorrow. And of course, on tomorrow's show, I will give you that update. So that's going to do it for this edition of Locked On Pelicans. Thank you all for listening. As always, I'm your host, Jake Madison, at Nola Jake on on Twitter, and I'll be back with you all to recap the game tomorrow.